prepare them for life. And Father, I pray spiritually we could pray for them and stand in the gap and sponsor and encourage and could truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, thank you for these young ladies. Lord, you are so good. Thank you for your love in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, let's one more time. Let's just thank God for AUM Warhawks. All right, Coach. And, and y'all are seeing the nicer, gentler Coach Davis today. Okay, anyway, he's a, he's really, he's a competitive coach. I love that about him. Well, this morning, oh, I might better get my Bible. That might help. I am so glad that you're here. I invite you to take the back of your worship guide that you were handed when you came in, and you can follow along with me. Um, I tell you, I'm loving our new format that we have, these new worship guides with the colors. It's just a great way to mark it. Also, it makes me a little succinct on the back because I don't have near as much room to put notes. Some of you laugh, and uh, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a good exercise for me. Y'all like it because it fits in your Bibles. Although, I got to tell you, I've got this week and two more weeks I finish up the series, Journey to the Heart of God. Then we're coming back into the New Testament. I'm going to finish that. And when I get to Revelations, I'm doing three complete weeks in Revelation. So let me just go ahead and tell you right now, don't whine. The back of that worship guide ain't going to do it, okay? So we're going to have inserts. And the church said, because I'm going to tell you what, Revelation is, we're, we're going to rock. If you want to understand Revelation, come and be a part. We're going to study it together. And the church said, amen. It, it'll be a great experience. Well, this morning, as we come together for a time of God's Word, I just want to tell you that... Um, People always ask me, who are you? You know, like, hey, founding senior pastor of Christ Community, 15 years now. Grew up in Montgomery, blah, blah, blah. Went to Troy and Emory. But here's the deal. I came out of a Wesleyan tradition. I was a United Methodist pastor for a long time. And 15 years ago, God called me to surrender that and started an independent interdenominational church. So I come out of a, a Wesleyan tradition. That's, a, that's really a, a holiness tradition. It, it, it's, it's a good place to be. It's been good for me. And there's this guy, you, you've heard about him if you've been around the church, or if you haven't been to church, I'll teach you. He's the founder of the Methodist church. His name's John Wesley. And John Wesley was this incredibly holy man that just loved God and pursued God, and the Moravians really turned him on to Christ. But the thing that I want to share, and it's this famous thing, is that one night he was at a Bible study, and they were doing the preface to Romans, and the scriptures were being proclaimed. And he, and he has this great uh, quote, he says, and I felt my heart warm. This was just embracing. He goes, I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt that I trusted Christ, and I trusted him alone for my salvation. And this morning, that's just what I say to you. I've been praying about this message all week, and my whole prayer is that God would awaken your heart and mine. If you're in Christ today, you are, you've been awakened. But I would still say you could slide off and go to sleep. And if you haven't come to Christ, you've not committed your life to Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of your life, man, the Bible would say you're dead in your trespasses, you're spiritually bankrupt, you're morally bankrupt, you're not alive. But the good news is you don't have to stay, you can come alive even this morning. Isn't that good news? So an awakening. Um, there's a period in history, it's called the Great Awakening. There's been these monumental movements over centuries past. Latest one back in the 60s, 70s, even you could come on into other movements, the maybe 80s and 90s, and, and I, I don't know, but I'm just crazy enough and bold enough and courageous enough that I'm praying there's going to be a great awakening in 2011, 2012, and I want to see God pour out His Spirit on the church again. How about you, church? I mean, I want to see God awaken this generation. 
And uh, I'm tired of reading about it, and I read history and study it and all that. But, you know, last weekend, uh, man, Mark and the students did an amazing job. So proud of them. That was fun watching that on DVD with my wife this week. We were down at the Troy campus. We had about 250 students and leaders gathered together, and we had a marvelous day of worship. And I'm convinced between these AUM ladies and all these AUM students that Mark meets with in Faulkner and Huntingdon and universities around here and across the nation, I believe that God wants to awaken a collegiate generation. Do y'all think that college students? Do you think that college students? All right, come on. There you go. There you go. Tony's like, oh, I've already got a master's, but I'll go back to college. Okay, Tony, you're cool, baby. But hey, and how about us that are 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 years old? Do we want to be awakened in this generation? I just want to make sure. Some of you are like, well, you know, man, just, just don't get too excited. You're going to mess up my lunch if you preach too long. i got plenty of time, okay? I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to give you everything I got today. And some of you said, praise the Lord. Some of you said, I ain't coming back if he does that. Well, here's the thing. I want you to awaken to God on your faith journey. Mark kind of took us a little inward about some of his journey last weekend. He just kind of continued the theme that we've been doing and I know this, on our journey, God wants to show us the depth of his heart, the amazing love that he has that's undying and unending and uncompromising for you and me. And as you spend time with the Lord, you'll get to know more of his heart, who Abba is and how he wants to make himself known. And, and I was thinking about eternity. For all eternity, we're going to praise the Lamb. We're going to worship the Lord God. And we're going to know more and more and ever-expanding, ever-increasing. God is going to make himself glorious and more glorious. And he's going to be more known. And we're going to go, God, and yet I want more. And God's going, and I've even got more capacity. Let me say this to you. A lot of times you're like, man, I don't get it. I love God so much now. And some of you are like, well, I don't know if I love God. And some are like, man, I can't wait to eternity. Well, let me share it this way. I remember when we had our first daughter never had a kid before and we brought her home from the hospital and man I would just go in there and hold her and ooh and goo and kiss her and love her and sing to her and, and she, they both have vocal talents today I guess it's from their dad no absolutely not it's a Jesus thing but I would sing over them and I would pray for them and then and then I remember when uh, we, we got you know we, we got pregnant and Donna's pregnant again and we we're gonna have another child and, and and yet there's a part that every parent knows you're like but God could I love my next one as much as I love my first one? Because God, you know, she's pretty amazing. And you know what God did? God said, absolutely, boy. You just see what I can do. He calls me boy. And he just expanded my heart. And, man, I just loved Hannah. And I love her and love her and love her. And, man, man, my heart is just this wide. And one day I'm a longing, like some of you have. You have grandchildren. You go, oh, it's grand. And he's just going to broaden my heart. And some of you have one kid and no kids and 2.3 kids. And you have four kids and you have five and you have ten. And just God say, oh, I can only love three kids. After three kids, you have to give them up. No, God doesn't say that. God says, I'm just going to increase. I'm going to expand the capacity of your heart. How many of you are glad that God can expand the capacity of your heart? And there's just more room. And that's what eternity is going to be like. You're saying, but God, oh, I love you. Oh, God, worthy is the lamb. I bow and I worship you, and it's going to be awesome. And God's just going to go, we're just going to morph. It is going to be incredible. Some of you are ready for that right now. You're like, man, that's what I want. But now we journey through life, and how much do we love him? How much are we willing to get to know him? Look there at the top of your message notes with me. Can you do that? Look what the message truth says. 
you're feeling dry, spiritually stagnant, lacking energy, motivation in your Christian walk, then let me encourage you to have an awakening. It's what I'm trying to talk about today. Draw near to God and have a hunger for Him and desire Him above all things. He, the Father, longs to transform your heart this morning. You're here. I call this the house of joy. I call it the house of rock. I call it the house of prayer. This morning, I'll call it the house of transformation. I pray you'll just lean into him today and let God speak things over your heart. The psalmist in chapter 145, verse 18, right there under the box, if you want to look along, it says, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all, to everyone who calls on him in truth. God is so near, even right now, closer than my next spit bubble. And there's a lot. He's closer than my next breath. He's closer than the next beat of my heart. He's closer than the flow of the blood in your body that circulates through your circulatory system. He is here. He is near. Have you called out to him? Awakening. And, and, and I, so this week as I was preparing, I said, God, what does it mean awakening? And we, we could talk about this for months. But I've, I've just made some simple points that I think maybe could help you and help me. Number one. We just simply have to, there it is, acknowledge our need. Acknowledge your need that you need an awakening. Now, I want to assure you, this drawing near is nothing that you or me do. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. I remember when the Holy Spirit wooed me, drew me unto himself. Do you remember when the Holy Spirit drew you unto Jesus? Do you remember when Jesus drew you, when the Holy Spirit drew you to Christ? Absolutely. Were you out seeking God? No. And God met you. I mean, maybe you began to get in a pursuit, but basically it was God's initiation. God pursued you. God went after you. And here, if you'll open your Bibles, turn over to the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. I, I love this section here. And in verse 23... He says, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. Now, there is this violent attack on this boy by demons, but demonic activity. His life is not adding up. His life's having a really hard time. There's this ongoing, continuous battle for his soul against him physically, violently, spiritually. He's being attacked. And yet, he's very disappointed very disillusioned because the disciples can't do anything about it. They, they can't drive out the demon. This demon is throwing him to the ground. You know, you're reading scripture and you convulse and you foam at the mouth. It's not a very good thing here. But look at, look at this passage here. It says, but the father instantly cried out, I do believe. Oh God, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I'd circle that word in your Bible. I am surrounded by some people that go into a crisis of belief from time to time, or you've never surrendered to Christ, and you're just at the unbelief stage. And that's okay. Be honest about where you are on the journey. But here, there's no limit to God's power, to his resources. And this man's like, but God, I do believe, but God help my unbelief. And I meet Christians like that all the time. Oh, I believe, but I don't really believe. Well, they don't really have faith yet. And God wants to take your unbelief in mind, and he wants to erase it. He wants to push it to the far corners of our life. It has no power over us. It doesn't control us. And here, this father, he believes. 
He believes in the ability of Jesus. He believes that Jesus can heal his son. But, but Lord, I know you can, but Lord, would you or, or could you? But Lord, help my unbelief. Jesus, I'm a mess. I need help. Do you not find yourself there on your path of life? That Man, you're walking in faith and things are going pretty good. And then all of a sudden you just fall off the track and unbelief just rises up. And you just don't believe God for much. This morning, I'm praying that by hearing the word, God will add to you a new measure of faith. He says simply, if you've got the faith of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. If you have faith like this, great things can happen. Possibilities are unlimited. But Lord, can you really do that? Well, yeah, I, I absolutely, man. I, I know he can, and he has for me. And Lord, I do love you. Lord, I, I love you a lot, but God, I'm, I'm dry right now. I'm just kind of weary. I'm kind of beat up. This journey's kind of hard, Lord. I just don't know. Lord... I do believe the Bible. I, I do believe it's in your inspired word. But God, to be honest with you, I'm having a hard time right now believing a couple of your promises. Did I get anybody yet? Lord, I, I know you said you would. I know you said you could. But Lord, I just don't believe. Help my unbelief. You read on other passages and you see that Jesus didn't do much in that town because of their unbelief see jesus meets us at our point our crisis of faith and he helps our belief and he turns it into trust in him if we'll yield and submit and surrender and humble ourselves man this is a strong passage here i i just i said god i'm in a zero hour that's what it is when you and i are at the zero hour when we're spiritually bankrupt and we declare god i'm empty i have nothing come that's where god comes and fills us the most have you had a zero hour lately? Have you been desperate for God lately? When you get desperate, I think God moves in new power and new depths. I know he does. I don't think. I, I believe. I know. I'm confident. I've seen it over and over. In Psalm 85, 60 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? You may disappeal on a personal level. Revive me again, oh God. Lord, you know that's what I'm praying for you and myself this morning. God, would you come and would you revive the people of faith that have let unbelief creep in? Would you revive somebody's faith that's even great but make it greater faith? But Lord, would you bring somebody to life today? Would you awaken them by your blessed Holy Spirit even this morning, Lord Jesus? That's the power of the gospel. It's not power of me, it's power of God. Let's look at the next one. you, you got to see this. This is really important. It ask the Lord for a personal revival. Now, we meet here on Monday mornings. I meet with a group of men. We've been doing this for year after year after year. It's one of our backbones of our church, prayer. And we meet, and one of the focuses we have every single week, we pray for revival. We ask God for revival in our hearts, in the hearts of our men and our women and our children, our kids, our students. We ask God to revive us. And I'm asking you, are you asking God for a personal revival in your heart? This could be the greatest prayer you could pray. God, have a revival in my heart. Revive me, God, to being my first love once again. If Christ revives you this morning, this week, oh my goodness, the possibilities are unspeakable. God, revive us. God, I need a fresh work. Lord, I need you to come. Lord, I need you. If you don't come, Lord, I won't be able to make it. One writer says, revival is where eternity invades time. Where 
the possibilities and the glories of heaven comes to this earth in an invaded time and space as we know it in this life. That's what I want. I want God's resources in my life and yours. God, I want you to come and I want you to invade. I want you to do something. Lord, I want to consider uh, Revelations chapter 4 and chapter 5. It pictures them all around the throne of God and they exalt the Lamb forever and ever. And worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. It's a position God's called us to. Revival is that divine act of the Almighty in our lives. And that's what I'm praying. We're going to get more of God. God, I, I want more of you. But you know what? Some of you today, you're not convinced. And let me tell you what's, going to hap- what's happening. Your sin and your rebellion hurts the heart of God. And really, he, he's, he's torn. He, he loves you. He cares for you. He, he's calling you to himself, but he's broken. And this morning, there are people in this room, I am convinced, that have just rebelled against God, and you've just run your own way, and God's wanting to bring you to a place of brokenness in his presence. We sang that great song, Here in Your Presence. That's what I long for. That's what I ask that you long for. Lord, bring a personal revival this morning to our hearts. There's a a beautiful passage here when you think about revival. It's a very familiar one. Look, read it with me. Can you do it off the screen? Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion, it haunts me day and night against you, and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is what? Just. Here's what the psalmist prayed. Here's what he petitioned God on. It's what he was believing. God, have mercy on me. Do do y'all pray that prayer? Does anybody in this room ever pray that prayer? God, have mercy on me. Do you pray that for your friends? No, I pray God have judgment on them quickly in Jesus' name. No, that's a horrible prayer. But I bet you pray for that. Uh, You remember when you were going to school, you're in school now? Hey, how about your students? Have you ever walked up to a professor or to a teacher and went, have mercy on the boy. Have mercy on this girl. Have mercy on my grades. Nobody ever done that? Okay. At work, have you ever said, could you have mercy and let me stay one more month and I promise not to steal anymore? Could you have mercy on me and I'll show up on time? Oh, great mom and dad, thou cometh in the name of God. I love thou with an everlasting love. Would you have mercy on me and not put me in time out? Would you not suspend me? Would you not cut my curfew would you not punish me have mercy on me thy father and thy mother yo i know you don't talk like that you know you you talk to your parents like that thy father and mother they are great no 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 but i've yelled out something like hey 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 wait have mercy on the boy you're messing up the boy's social life anybody ever prayed that prayer that wasn't a prayer but i said that well god wants to have mercy on us and we ought to cry out to him god have mercy let's let's look at this next one i love this he says, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right, a loyal spirit within me. God, give me a clean heart. Give me clean hands and a pure heart. God, create in me a clean heart, God. A heart that is not full of sin and selfishness and rebellion, but it's turned to you. It's it trusts in you, God. It, 
It longs for you. It, it looks to heaven. God, it, it wants what you have. But let's keep moving here for the third point. Desire and authentic spiritual transformation. I mean, I'm not talking about, hey, let's just get religious and we'll do the things that maybe Jesus said. I mean, and surely, hopefully we will. But we really want an authentic, raw experience, encounter with God where he begins to transform us. I've been thinking, would you imagine with me this morning in your imagination, what would happen in our church, in our city, if God really showed up in full of power with a, a fresh awakening with his bride, the church? What would happen? It would be essential that Christ followers would begin to follow Christ with all their heart and they would put off hypocrisy. But I know this, if we want real spiritual transformation, I want you to hear this. It is a process, it's not an event. See, we open this altar and we'll open it this morning at the end and there'll be a closing powerful song and I, I pray many of you will come out. You didn't respond during body life. I didn't get that. I've never seen that in 15 years. Maybe you just weren't ready. I'm praying God will flood his altar with your lives today and you will cry out to God. But more than that, you got to realize it's not just about running to the altar or running to a Bible study. It's a process. It's an ongoing work of God that he brings about spiritual transformation. It's God's work. But hear this, it requires yours and my participation. We need to participate with the Almighty. God, I want to do what you want me to do. It's not an individualistic thing, although new Western world tries to make this thing with Jesus all about me. And I got to tell you, it is about you, but it's so much bigger than you. It's about biblical community in Jesus' name. That's why we're passionate about small groups around here. We want you to do life together with other believers. You need one another. You live in community. Hey, girls, y'all playing basketball for Coach Davis. Y'all have joined the cult now. I mean, you've joined the team now. You've joined the band, and y'all are part of a community, and y'all think, and you act alike, and you're learning attitudes, and, and you model, and you pull, and you cheer, and you fight, and you eat together at our blessed restaurant called Moe's. I see you in there often, and, and y'all become this little tribe of people. There's a community transformation is taking place to transform you into greater basketball players than when you first arrived at AUM and all the girls said oh could it happen to us it will happen to y'all y'all will eat at Moe's every week at least once am I lying Courtney every time I go in Moe's guess who I see coach Davis Abigail Cooper Christy Courtney, Haley, Stephanie, different ones. I just see y'all. It's just, you know, it, it just happens. It's community. All I'm saying here, we've got biblical community. What are we doing with it? Oh, God, transform us. Here's what else happens in spiritual transformation. There's an increased capacity in your life and my life to love God more and to love other people. There's, God just increases that within us. We, here's, I love it. We become more like Jesus Christ. Because y'all... Christianity is not just about me throwing out lots of biblical and theological information, although that's all part of it. It's about transformation. Matter of fact, let me, let me give you a passage. Can you turn your Bibles with me to 1 John? Turn to 1 John this morning, chapter 2, verse 6. And this is what transformation is. Transformation is not a mere gathering of religious facts. It's so much more. John would say this, 1 John 2 and 6. 
those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. You become like Christ. You begin to be an imitator of Jesus. You begin to model his life. His life in you, the hope of glory, exudes itself. It flows out of you. It's life-giving to the world, to other people. And that's what Christ, so what does it look like? There's this imitation. There's the, uh, when they had awakenings in years past, there is an increased religious, although I don't like that word, there's an increased spiritual enthusiasm for the things of the kingdom. And God begins to transform societies. As I've read about the great awakenings of the past, they've had to actually close criminal justice systems and jails because people quit sinning and stealing and doing crime and the police officers didn't have anything to do. In our world today, you know what we do? Right, right here, I have a criminal justice undergraduate degree. thought I was going to law school, God called me to seminary. So I studied all this years ago at the university. And so I've always been intrigued with prisons and recidivism rates and all that kind of stuff. But if you ride right over here, get on 85, I want you to ride by, I want you to look over to the left, and hopefully none of you ever lived over there. But if you did, there's grace in Jesus, okay? And there's this place, it's called Mountain Eggs. It's this big youth juvenile facility where they send kids that are hardened. You know what they're doing right now? They're adding on to it, and it's like doubling the size, maybe tripling, I don't know. They're, and, and all across our state and all across America, we're just building bigger and bigger prisons, and we're, our, our, our nation's going farther and farther in debt. Here, here's what I want to say. When an awakening comes, bars would begin to close. Uh, different segments of society and businesses would close down. Police officers would go, I got to get a new job, man. I, I just go out and I, I give out suckers to everybody. Everybody's really nice. You're saying, it ain't probably going to happen in my watch, man, you know. I locked my doors, got a security system, got a big bat, I, I, I got a gun, got an arsenal of guns, come to my house, I'll shoot you. Okay, well, that's another story for another day. But when they had awakenings in the past, Jonathan Edwards and Whitfield and all them, they, I don't know if you know this, this is interesting. The early preachers, they, they were high on intellect and theology and it was all cool. But I don't know if you knew this. They would step into these big pulpits, and some of these things you would you would climb way up. And I'm, I'm climbing, okay. And you would you climb way up, and I would be I would be like at this high level, and I would be looking down on you. And then they would read their manuscript word for word. How many of you are thinking, "Gee, I can't wait to go to a church like that." During the awakenings, Edwards and other people that followed him, they began to become orators and expound, and they would speak with the power of the Spirit. They would have great theology, but they would just begin to not read their sermons anymore. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But let, let's move on here. Authentic spiritual transformation, an encounter with Jesus, not an, an illusion of transformation, but where Jesus Christ becomes Lord, where Jesus Christ begins to awaken the soul of man, and we begin to get different. Um, this verse right here has troubled me ever since I started reading the scripture. It troubled me this week reading it. It should every Christ follower, and if you're not in Christ, it should really stir you. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. I, I, to me, it's the most sobering verse in scripture. Lord, 
I did great deals. I performed miracles. I prophesied. God, I did this. I did that. And he goes, hey, I never, I never knew you. Depart from me. An awakening is when Jesus Christ becomes Lord. You don't become mere religious. You become relational, connected with Abba. You abide in Christ. You make union with him. He becomes your life. He becomes your Lord. He becomes your king. You have this relationship. And, and as I look there, Jesus has never been impressed by lip service. He's always been impressed by our hearts that align with his, and they get in obedience. And in Psalm 51, 6, it says he desires in us, he desires truth in the inner parts of man and woman. Jesus calls us out. He exposes us. He says, I want you to have a relationship. But some will say, well, wow, that's true of me today. Lord, Lord, man, right now. I want you to see this last line. Because I hear this all the time in the Bible Belt, and it deeply disturbs me. It's bad theology. It's not biblical theology. Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. I, I cry that. Well, okay, that's good. But only those who do what? Do the will of the Father. Those are biblical Christians. Those are the ones that can have assurance that their sins are forgiven because they purpose. They're not perfect, but they strive. They desire to do the will of God. So this morning, I'm praying that you, God will arouse, that he will awaken in you a desire to love him, to obey him, and to do the will of the Father. That's biblical Christianity. I, I got to tell you, I see so much that's nothing to do with Jesus. It's a Western form of religion. And when we don't talk about doing the will of our Heavenly Father, we've missed the, the relationship with Christ. God, I want to do your will. I want to become like Christ. But let's look at this fourth one. Well, I, I went on, I, you know, about casting out demons. Let me, let me go to this. That's good, Keith. It's good when you read the rest of a verse. Fourth, desire to overcome old patterns and trials. I don't know about you, but I struggle with... Uh, things of the past, and I struggle with trials, I, I struggle with patterns, I struggle with flesh patterns, I, I tend to do the things I don't want to do. D does anybody else, is anybody else like that? I mean, man, you're just like, man, I don't understand, there's like this inner work in me. Uh, matter of fact, he, he, would, he, he would say it this way. He would say, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at a war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, goodness. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Oh, woe is me. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm just a slave to sin. Can anybody identify with that verse? Man, man, in my heart, I want to please God. I want to do the will of God. But man, there's this, there's this battle, man. There's, the, there's these two dogs, man. They're fighting all the time. It's flesh. It's spirit. And let me just tell you the simplest principle. I've shared this over year after year after year. This is who always wins. The dog that you feed wins. If you feed the flesh, the flesh wins. If you feed the spirit, the spirit conquers the flesh in Jesus' name. And I'm praying today, we're going to go, God, but I want to do your will because, Lord, I don't want to say, oh, Lord, Lord, I performed miracles and I cast out demons and I did this and I sang and I gave and I cut the grass and I did whatever, God, oh, God, I did, I did, I did. And he goes, oh, depart from me. I never knew you. I want you to go, God, I strove. I was striving in my heart to do your will. God, I want to do your will. 
I have victory over destruction. This sin that is at war within us, this sin that wants to control us, we overcome in the power of Christ. Paul would say, wretched man that I am. But you know what the good news is? We have a Savior. We have a Savior who can bind Satan. We have a Savior that can give you and I the spiritual victory this morning. We trust into him. But we want to wrestle with this devil. Let's stop. Let's turn to a Savior and say, Jesus, come. Be awakened in me. Be alive afresh even this morning. I want the mighty power of Christ. I want to tap into your strength. And then I want to share this with you. This is critical. Awakening happens when you and I become like a child. It's one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of Luke. If you turn to Luke chapter 19 with me. It's Jesus and Z-Man on the scene. Z-Man is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a crooked, wretched, cheat, liar, wealthy, rich, selfish person when we meet him. The name Zacchaeus, you know what it means? Righteous one. He truly gets transformed by Jesus. He has an awakening in his heart. If you look there, starting in chapter 19, read verses 1 through 10, you see the story of Zacchaeus. And I won't read it for sake of time, but I'll just give you some points that are interesting. They're there at Jericho. Jericho is where Joshua had fought the battle and all the great things. And, and the walls of Jericho did what? They came down and the city never got rebuilt. So it was really just about a small place. And Zacchaeus was a wee, small, little statue of a man. And Zacchaeus couldn't see, but there in Jericho, he went to this tree because, you know, there's only one way into Jericho. And he saw the tree and he climbed up in the tree and he had a vantage point. He could see everything. And everybody had to come by there. He had a purpose for climbing in the tree. He wanted to see Jesus. And that's really interesting to me because I'm like, why does he want to see Jesus? He's a crook. Well, let me, just for sake of time, I, I just want to give you a passage here, Luke 5, 27. Earlier, there's a man, his name's Matt, Matthew. Matthew is a, what, what was Matthew's profession? What was he? Tax collector. And they probably had a banquet there in that village. And I don't know that Zacchaeus probably didn't come, and he might have sat on the back, or he might have heard. But I do know this, because the Bible says Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. So in this organization, somewhere he knew about Matthew, and he'd heard about Matthew, had been transformed, had been changed. And the talk was, there's this man, Jesus. Oh, he is amazing. He put a spell on Matthew. Matthew dropped everything he had, and he started following Jesus. Anyway, all I know is something happened in the heart of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus climbed up in a tree. Now, it's kind of remarkable to me, because what happens is, everybody despises and hates, and has comments and they murmur about Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus man what kind of man is this matter of fact if you read on in that passage there it goes I can't believe Jesus I've been out here for weeks waiting for you to come Jesus we got chicken cooked at home Jesus we did this and Jesus you showed up for this wee little rippy hard-hearted bum Jesus you know we don't do a lot different today Jesus stops by somebody's house and he saves them if we're not careful we don't get excited that they've been transformed but Zacchaeus has his life changed. He climbs up in that tree. The thing is, I want you to see a point I never really thought about. Zacchaeus was up a tree without Jesus. Zacchaeus called him out of the tree. This morning, Zacchaeus is calling you out of the tree if you're still in the tree. Yeah, Jesus, excuse me. And Jesus is calling you to follow him. He, that day he called Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, you got to come down. 
you, you, you got to come down, Z. I, I want to go to your house. And I bet Zacchaeus went, oh, oh, no, Jesus wants to go to my house. But what happens is he has his heart transformed. He gets magnetized by Jesus Christ. You know what, you know what Zacchaeus does for you and I? You want an awakening? Let me tell you what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus had power, position, money, wealth, and the goods. And he had pride. Zacchaeus put his pride down that day. He climbed out of the tree, and he went to his house immediately because Jesus told him to. And I think by the time he hit the ground, man, his heart was changed, and Christ had him. He was magnetized. Jesus said it this way in the gospel, if I be lifted up, I will do what? I'll draw all men unto myself. This morning, that's all I want to do is lift up Jesus. Will you look to Jesus? Will you let Jesus magnetize you? Will you let him give you new values and new perspectives? I'm just going to give you these points quickly. You become like a child. Point A is, you see this, there's a transfer of trust in your life. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus took the trust and all the things he had and all the wealth, and he transferred that to Jesus, and he just began to trust in him. There was a complete transfer of that. Secondly, there was a change of values. Zacchaeus got a, a value um, lesson that day. He, he just exchanged the values that he had. His values were all about him. He began to give back all that which he'd robbed from Exodus and Leviticus, and he gave back half to this, and he gave back four times that. I mean, he was a generous guy. His heart had been transformed, had been liberated, and he had so much joy. But you know what I learned in, in the East? Men didn't like to run. Men, you wouldn't see a man running in public. And Zacchaeus took off running. And people were like, man, is Zacchaeus being chased? Because, you know, Zacchaeus is a crooked tax collector. But he had a mission. He, he, had, he had to get somewhere. He was running. But he came out of that tree. And, but you know, what, you know what's amazing to me? Zacchaeus felt loved. You know, I, I think Zacchaeus was empty. I think he was void. And I think Christ changed his heart. And I think that's all Zacchaeus ever wanted. He just wanted to be loved. And he got loved by Jesus. And, man, Jesus changed his life. And we read about him. And I think Jesus is like, I love that man. Oh, I love that man, Zacchaeus. You know what? You're no different. You're up a tree without the Savior if you don't have him. Christ loves you. He invited you here today. The last one's a transfer of character. If we went on to read pages about Zacchaeus, I bet we'd see, man, Zacchaeus, he was out proclaiming the kingdom of Christ. He was doing the deeds of the Father. He did the will of God. An amazing, amazing character in Scripture. This morning, as I come just to the close of, of this Sunday morning, I'm thinking about a taker named Zacchaeus becomes a giver. And for you and I, have you been taken? God can make you a giver. A small little man becomes a big man in the sight of God because God gets a hold of his heart. Christ wants to get a hold of you and me this morning afresh if we'll just trust him. Here's the other truth I know. A lost man becomes a saved man. He abides in Christ. To that end today, I pray that Christ would awaken you and you'd trust him and you'd say, you know, I've got worth. My worth is all wrapped up in my position, my bank account, my looks, my talents, my whatever. I'm going to transfer that worth. My worth needs to be in God and him alone. Let's pray. Father, it's so good to be in your church this morning. And I just believe that even this morning, Lord, you're calling us to sort out business and to hear from you. So, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would draw us to the mercy seat, even right now, 
we're just going to open up this altar and let just people cry out to Jesus. Let them come down out of their tree. Maybe you're calling them to follow you afresh. Awaken our hearts, Holy Spirit. Awaken us to the realities of the kingdom. Lord, what does that mean? Teach us in the days to come. Church, right now, I invite you. This altar is open. I just invite you to come out from where you are. Just come and spend some time in his presence. Let's just worship for the next few minutes. He is here.